You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hello, everybody. We are coming to you live from Avet Gerard Field at Lampson Park, the site of the 2023 Sun Belt Conference Softball Championship for crunch time right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. James Mesh, my producer and co-host, is back in the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Getting ready to get underway here between Troy and Texas State in the 4 o'clock game of the quarterfinals, the Cajuns and ULM. We'll follow after at approximately 7 o'clock. James, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fine, Matt. How about you at Lampson oh, Park? This is incredible, man. I, I bet so. I wish I was over there. This is this is great. I've got, I'm set up right above the stands, so I've got a prime view of the field. I can see both dugouts. I, I, I've got all the views in the world, man. Things are, things are good. So... We got a lot to get to today. We're, we're working on getting the simulcast up, which you can view on Stadium 32.3 or Channel 133 if you have LUS Fiber. And like we always say anytime I am out of the studio, just because I'm on the road doesn't mean that we don't want to hear from you. So give us a call on the game hotline. It's 337-706-0111. Last night, the Los Angeles Lakers were on the verge of advancing to the Western Conference Finals, but 27 points from Stephen Curry would be enough for the Warriors to force a game six, 121 to 106. And in the other game, how about Jalen Brunson keeping the New York Knicks alive with 38 points to take down Miami, 112 to 103. We're also going to get to... An update of McNeese softball over in Lake Charles in the Southland Conference Tournament. We'll also preview the weekend for LSU and a whole lot more. We'll also get to the Houston Astros as well. A great lineup of guests for you today. Jay Walker is going to join me at 4.30 for Cajun's Corner, and he will do it live here at Lampson Park. And then at 5.30, earlier this week, we had the opportunity to sit down with Cajun softball head coach Jerry Glasgow. And we'll bring that to you at 5.30 right before we get off the air at 6. Once again, Cajun softball against ULM set 7 o'clock. The NFL schedule release is today. And, of course, in today's age of, of social media, there's all kinds of leaks and, you know, leaked information about who's going to play when before the official schedule comes out. We've got quite a few leaks for the Saints so far. I have about the first, I have about a third of their games on my computer screen here, and it's been reported as we get the simulcast up. It's been reported that... The Saints will open the 2023 season at home against the Tennessee Titans on September the 10th, which means that you will face either Ryan Tannehill 
or the rookie Will Levis at quarterback. But the bigger storyline than that, James, is Tulane running back and Ponchatoula native Tajay Spears will begin his NFL career inside the Caesar Superdome. Right, and I thought it was going to be Jacksonville to start the that's, season. That's what I thought, too. That's what I had heard earlier today. But now it's, now it's being reported that it will be against Tennessee on September the 10th inside the Caesars Superdome. Which I cannot ex- – I can't see them going to Will Levis week one if that's the case. Yeah, you'd, I, you'd I have to You'd have to see like three to four weeks of really bad Ryan Tannehill for them to make that change to Will Levis. And by that point, if it's week one that the Saints play the Titans, we, then you don't, you don't have to worry about it at that point. Right. Yeah, that, that's kind of the thing that, that's going to be interesting to see which quarterback you're going to get for Tennessee. But as this softball game between Troy and Texas State gets ready to get underway here at about in about four or five minutes, we're going to take a quick pause for the playing of the National Anthem as soon as they get through the starting lineups for both teams here at Lampson Park. Troy comes into this game as one of the top seeds in the Sun Belt, Texas State as well. You know, we've talked all week long, James, about this tournament and where the Cajuns could match up with these different teams. Troy's the four seed, Texas State is the five seed. This game is going to dictate quite a bit for the Cajuns because if they win tonight, they will play the winner of this game tomorrow night at 7 o'clock right here at Lampson Park. So I can promise you that Jerry Glasgow, Justin Robichaux, and Lacey Prejean, the coaching staff for Louisiana, is keeping a very, very close eye on this matchup that's getting ready to get underway between the Bobcats and the Trojans. James, real quick, off the cuff, what team would you rather see the Cajuns face, Troy or Texas State? Who wins this one? I feel like Troy's going to win this one. Oh, that's that's a good pick. They've got a great pitcher in Leanna Johnson. Uh, Jessica Mullen's going to go for Texas State. Going to be a great game. We'll keep you updated as the game takes place. Obviously not going to bring you play-by-play. That is just not our, our responsibility today. But I will keep you updated as, as things happen. But uh, at this time, we will take a pause for – never mind. They, they fooled me. Um, thought we thought we were ready for the national anthem. Not quite yet. Um, look, you know, let's talk about the Astros real quick. Picking up a five-four win yesterday over the Los Angeles Angels. They jumped out to a five-to-two lead, but then in the ninth inning, Ryan Presley comes on to close the game. He lofts a, a curveball over the middle of the plate to Shohei Otani, and Otani took it for a ride—a two-run shot to make it five-to-four but Presley was able to come retire three straight Angels following that play. Anthony Rendon and Hunter Renfro both got singles after the Otani shot, but Presley was able to settle in and retire the next three Angels to end the game in a 5-4 to four win. The Astros getting a four-run inning and then a solo shot from Jordan Alvarez early in the game as the Astros take two out of three over the L.A. Angels. And their next contest will be tomorrow night against the Chicago White Sox in the south side of Chicago. That game set for 7-10 at Guarantee Rate Field. 
between the White Sox and the Astros. J.P. France, former Archbishop Shaw grad, will be on the mound for the Astros, making his second debut, his second start in the MLB after pitching five innings against Seattle over the weekend. And now we're set for what will be, or maybe we're not playing a national anthem before this game. I stand corrected. I'm all over the place today with with the national anthem, but we're all good now. So now we don't have to take a pause and we can keep bringing news to you. So, James, let's continue talking about the schedule leaks that have come out so far for the Saints. We talked about the Saints being at home against Tennessee in week one. Week two will be a Monday night game in Carolina. They will face the number one overall pick in Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. Or if they don't start in week one, it could be Andy Dalton under center. How crazy would that be for New Orleans? You'd almost you'd almost want to classify it as a revenge game, but I mean at this point I don't think there's really ill will between the No the Saints and Andy Dalton. But there, there shouldn't be. No, there shouldn't be. But I look at that as an intriguing matchup because you would feel good if you're playing against Andy Dalton. But the only thing is you feel good about the inexperience in Bryce Young, but we do know the history with the New Orleans Saints and having to try and corral those mobile quarterbacks. They've struggled against the Jalen Hurtses, the Lamar Jacksons, the Kyler Murrays of the world. So if you have to face another mobile QB like Bryce Young, how are they going to pan out? And then it's going to be on national television. It's supposedly supposed to be Monday Night Football. So at that point, you've got to put out an early product and you don't want to have that type of narrative continue early on the season because that can carry on for you. I think if you're Carolina, you know where I stand on this, James. I think you have to play Bryce Young. I don't think you trade up and give up all of that capital and DJ Moore to trade up to the number one pick to not start that guy week one. Right, because you've moved up so much. And at this point, Andy Dalton in his career, he was only started for the Saints last year because they didn't feel good about Jameis Winston. That was, that was the reason, and it's been like that for the last few years now. So it, unless Bryce Young is just not that ready to start week one or the first coming weeks, they would just go straight to him and have Bryce Young start. That's what you do a lot of the times nowadays with QBs that are early draft picks. Yeah, you know, and I could see Carolina doing that, but, you know, I've got the belief that if you draft a quarterback in the top five, your intention is to start that guy week one. Yeah, your intention is to, but it's like if they are, if he is that far behind, well, right, then you have really no choice but to start the backup. Right, because you'll ruin him. If he's not ready and you put him out on the field anyway. Uh, so definitely going to be an interesting you know, OTAs and, and training camp over the summer to keep an eye on in Carolina to see if Bryce Young will be ready to go for the Panthers in week one. 413 here on Crunch Time. Troy and Texas State underway here at Lampson Park. It's getting a little cloudy over here, James. We'll see if, we'll see if Mother Nature stays kind to us. 
over the next two hours. But we're going to take a time out here real quick. Don't go anywhere. When we return, James and I will continue dissecting the games that have already been released for the New Orleans Saints. Plus, we'll talk about the NBA playoffs before Jay Walker joins us live here at Lampson Park. You're listening to Crunch Time right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, if you are, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a brand new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and much more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, we are back. 418 on your Thursday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, welcome back to Crunch Time. Live from Lamson Park, and, and James, I made the comment in the opening segment that we'll see if Mother Nature holds off for us, and I guess I upset her because it is raining. You shouldn't have talked bad about her. And it's raining pretty hard, actually. Uh, the game is actually under a 30-minute lightning delay, so we'll see how long there's not softball to be played and how long it delays the Cajuns game for 7 o'clock tonight. But we're under an awning. We're under, you know, some some nice coverage here as long as we don't see any hurricane-type rain where it's blowing sideways and inwards. We'll be fine right here at at Lampson Park. But let's get back to the Saints' schedule release. We talked about the first two games. Let's go to week three now. September 24th. The Saints will travel to the frozen tundra when it's not frozen to play the Green Bay Packers in a 12 o'clock noon game. James, your thoughts on that matchup? I think that's pretty good timing because you don't want to have to go into a type of situation weather-wise where you'd have to be dealing with snow or some type of inclement weather in Green Bay later in the season, like in November and December when it's at its worst. So playing them in September... And then it's all. it would also be the third game where you would see Jordan Love. They'd still be trying to get figure stuff out there. You feel like you have a good chance at that point early in the season to try and get a dub. And then we'll go all the way down to week 10. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll agree with you there on the, on the Jordan Love thing. Still going to be an experience. Still going to be trying to figure things out. Um, I, I think that's a perfect opportunity for you to catch a, a what I'm going to call a brand-new organization – now post Aaron Rodgers. Right, this is a brand new beginning. Yeah, with, with the Green Bay Packers, you're gonna they're still gonna be in the process of figuring things out, figuring out what works, what doesn't. So like you said, I think that's a prime opportunity for the Saints to go to a tough place to win and, and pick up a W before it gets even tougher later on in the year when Mother Nature starts to be on their side. Uh, week ten now, November the twelfth, they'll head back up north to an NFC North opponent in the Minnesota Vikings. 
Mother Nature won't be a factor in that game, though, James, considering the Vikings play in a multi-billion dollar domed arena. Yeah, you won't really have to worry about it there. And it's interesting that you had talked about the Vikings. The Vikings are just one of four teams for the Saints this year that had a winning record last season. You got the Vikings, who were 13-4, and four, the Jags, who were 9-8, and eight, the Giants, who were 9-7-1, and one, and then the Lions, who were 9-8 and eight as well. Which, with that, they actually had the second s- smallest strength of schedule, I guess you could say. Yeah, you know, the, the Vikings are an interesting team next year. You know, is this going to be Kirk Cousins' final year in Minnesota? Do they look to move on after the fact? Obviously, Justin Jefferson still emerging as arguably the best receiver in the league. Uh, and then you've got a pretty good defense in, in Minnesota. So I'm going to be interested to see where the Saints are come week 10 and how they factor in against Minnesota at U.S. Bank Stadium up in Minneapolis. Week 12 now, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. The Saints will be in Hotlanta to play the Dirty Birds in a 12-noon kickoff in that one. Both Falcons games this year, James, in the back half of the season. And I don't know if I'm not necessarily mad about that because we always see them play Atlanta early on in the season, and that's a big-time matchup for them since it's a long, historic rivalry. So I'd rather them get... Like, figure it out after the first four or five weeks because we always know the Saints usually take a while to get their feet under them. It usually takes until October. So the fact that they're not playing till November and December, their matchups against the Falcons, I think that's really good. The home matchup against Atlanta will take place in the regular season finale on January the 7th. Week 15 now. The Saints will be at home to host Danny Dimes, Danny Cornhole, whatever you want to call him and the New York football Giants. James, how do you like that matchup? I think it's going to be an interesting one because you now have some receivers. They drafted Jalen Hyatt in the third round. It's going to be interesting to see what chemistry he can get with Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. Still not exactly sure what they're going to do. I assume that he's going to end up going back to the Giants, but I'm I'm curious to see how that goes the rest of the offseason. Defense is kind of solid over there. They had just extended Dexter Lawrence, their interior defensive lineman. So it's going to be interesting to see how that defense matches up with the Saints offense. All right. As more releases come out on the Saints schedule, of course, we will let you know. But, James, let's go to the NBA playoffs now. The Golden State Warriors winning game five last night, 121-106. to We talked about the 27 points from Stephen Curry. How about 25 from Wiggins? And 20 from Draymond Green. When you, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago with the Warriors. When you need to get a win, they find a way to deliver it. They do. And we talked about them going down 3-1. I said they were nowhere close to being out of it. It felt like they should have tried to blow out the Lakers a little bit more. Lakers kind of made it more of a game throughout. and ended up being a 15-point difference. But still... I think the Warriors can take it to a Game 7 and make things really interesting. You didn't see a great game out of Klay Thompson shooting, but for some reason we've been seeing a lot better games scoring-wise from one Draymond Green. He's been been hella efficient. Yeah, he's kind of reverted back to to his older or his younger self, should I say, Uh, because I feel like at the beginning of Draymond's career, obviously he, he still did all the defensive stuff that he does well now. 
but I feel like he was way more of a scoring threat in his younger days than he has been recently. So that's been refreshing to see for Golden State. Jordan Poole coming in with 11 off the bench. The Warriors shooting 37% from downtown, 51% from the field. But, you know, when you look at the Lakers starting five, you got 25 out of LeBron. You got 23 out of Anthony Davis, 15 apiece from D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. Not too much to complain about, but Jared Vanderbilt, Lonnie Walker, Rory Hachimura, you know, your younger role player guys not delivering is what hurts you. No, but then you talk about Anthony Davis had a solid night. But he did go down with that injury, and yep. he ended up having to be wheeled out in a wheelchair. When I had when I had heard that news, I was like, "Oh no, is this another Paul Pierce situation potentially?" But they said that ultimately, with the concussion, like he should be fine and he should be ready to go for Game Six. So that's a good sign from them on their end. And then the other game last night, we talked about the Heat and Knicks. The Knicks getting a win when they needed one, one twelve to one hundred three. How about thirty eight points from Jalen Brunson? to lead the charge for New York. Julius Randle had 24, and R.J. Barrett coming in with 26 as well. James, what were your thoughts on the Knicks' performance last night? I mean, they played the way they needed to to keep themselves alive. My big thing was, though, on Miami's end, we didn't see a lot as much of assertiveness from Jimmy Butler. He wasn't as aggressive. No, no, he wasn't. Only 19 points on 5 of a 12 shooting. He did have 9 assists and 7 rebounds, though. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I agree. He, he didn't quite look like himself. I don't know if, if they're just saving the energy for when they go back to Miami in Game 6 or, or what. Maybe maybe the Knicks just had his number last night. Uh, but now both of those series, 3-2 in favor of Miami and the Lakers, respectfully. Tonight, we'll start with the nightcap, Denver and Phoenix. Can the Nuggets close it out on the road? I think it's going to be tough because the home team's won every time so far. So I think with KD and Booker, I think they give one last really good effort to keep themselves alive and make it be like anybody's game, Game 7 in Denver. What do you think about Stephen A. Smith saying that the Suns are better off without Chris Paul? That's an interesting take. I mean, I know Chris Paul, he, he's so good as a facilitator and being a leader dribbling the ball down the court. But I do like what I've seen out of Devin Booker. As he's become one hell of a facilitator as well and has been pretty efficient shooting, obviously, throughout the series against the Nuggets as well. So I don't know if they're necessarily better without Chris Paul, but right, it does right. it does create an opportunity for Devin Booker to be more ball-dominant and make those type of decisions. Also a, a big injury for the Suns tonight, DeAndre Ayton will be out for Phoenix with an injury. Game six now in Philadelphia, the 76ers and the Celtics. Philly up 3-2. James, <laughs> your, 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 your boys in green are in trouble. They are. They are. They, they have put themselves in quite a hole this series. The fact that it's weird because when they're dominating a game, they've absolutely got it. Like, it's, it's hands down their game. But when it comes to a close game where it's where it comes down to just a couple of possessions, they keep losing those close games. Yep. And Jason Tatum had a nice scoring night by the end of it. But a lot of the times, those buckets came when they were still down 12, 13, 14, 15 throughout the contest. And it was like, Correct. yeah, you're scoring, 
the big thing though for me was everybody was saying it was empty buckets. Well, it wouldn't have been as much of empty buckets if the team would shoot better as a whole. Because yeah. Al Horford, he was just chucking up shots. He went over hey, seven in the first hey. half. Elite, elite shooter shoot, Al. Elite shooter Al Horford. Come on, man. He he he's an elite shooter, right? That's I what, mean, that's what, that's what he said. He's gonna have to prove it tonight. <laughs> and it, and look, it's the same thing with Jalen Brown because he'll have such a hot start, but then he starts to get into foul trouble. He doesn't get the ball as often, and then he just can't cook up because he'll score like twelve in the first quarter, and he ends up twenty with twenty five. But it's like throughout the second and third quarter, he's not really out there. Right. That's now, the big issue. Th this is my last question before we take a timeout, a and I I'm really interested to hear what your take's going to be on this. Should Jason Tatum have himself a takeover game tonight where he just kind of, you know, puts his head down and just takes the game over? If he can try to, go for it. But if you're talking about put your head down and, like, go into the paint, well, guess what? That's going to give Joel Embiid, the MVP, so many more opportunities to block him because we've seen a couple times not just Jason Tatum, others like Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon trying to get into the paint. So if they're going right. to be able to do that, they're going to have to try and come up with some situations to force Joel out of the paint to create those opportunities. Because outside of that, you're going to need them to start shooting better from outside the arc because they have not been doing well. That's the that big game, issue. That game at 6.30 and then Denver and Phoenix will tip off at 9 o'clock. Still under a weather delay here at Lampson Park. We'll figure out what time this game's going to get started and how it affects the Cajuns, the way it's looking. Cajuns might not start till 7.30, 7.45 tonight. But uh, we'll be here with you through it all right here on the game. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Man, what a treat this is going to be. Live here at Lampson Park, 435. I am joined in person by the voice of the Raging Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker. Jay, happy Thursday. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a good day of softball here. I got here. Seriously, they just thrown the first pitch of the first game when I walked in the gate. I asked them to go ahead and wait another 60 seconds. Well, well, of course. I mean, how, how can they not wait for the Jaywalkers? I was, I, was, uh, I was a little disappointed in that. I had to file a report, but that's okay. It's all we'll, good. We'll start with the first game. South Alabama, James Madison, a 4-1 victory for South. You know, South scoring two in the first, two in the second, and just playing – Standout defense the rest of the way. What'd you see out of that game? Well, if you're um, if South Alabama is going to score four, more often than not they're going to win because Olivia Lackey's a very good pitcher, and um, she pretty much shut James Madison down. I think they got to run in the fifth or sixth inning, but uh, she didn't allow him very much. And you know, like I said, if South Alabama's got four, most of the rest of this league is going to uh, is going to fail when they're in their fight to catch up against Lackey. And then the game that just finished, number two, Marshall, number seven, Coastal Carolina. It was knotted at zero for just about the whole game. Uh, in the bottom of the sixth, Marshall was able to put two runs on the board. Coastal came back, put one up in the top of the seventh. And then they had runners on first and second with the opportunity to strike again. 
and, and Marshall was able to shut the door to move on to the semifinals. Well, I'll tell you, there the, the first five innings of that game, I thought the two pitchers pitched at a very high level. Um, you know, Marshall's kind of the unknown coming into this thing because they won a lot of games, but they played a terrible non-conference schedule. Right. So the question was, how good are they? Okay, they got a girl who won the triple crown. She hit like 440 and 19 bombs and 70 RBIs. And, and how good are they? And then how good is that pitcher? And it, well, now that you've seen them play somebody, you know, at least kind of like them a little bit. I like I like their pitcher. I thought she did a really good job. Um, you know, Marshall's lineup not as potent facing good pitching as as their numbers would indicate. You know, the, the, the young lady, Autumn Owen, Correct. who won the Triple Crown, she did hit one uh, off the top of the wall um, in three at bat. She was called in on strikes in the other two. Uh, so, you know, she's got some pop in her bat. But, um, you know, I think, I think Marshall's got a nice team, but I think they're going to have a hell of a time against Lackey tomorrow. You know, you brought up Autumn Owen, who got the Triple Crown, like you mentioned, uh, 19 homers and 70 RBIs on the season. There were some people on social media that, that kind of thought that she should have been named some belt player of the year. I mean, I know you and I are pro Carly Heath, but I mean, what, where do you stand on that? Well, when you've got one team that's played the third best non-conference schedule in America and another team that's played number 270, it's very difficult to, to make an apples to apples comparison. So all you can do is look at conference numbers and even then, Marshall had a big advantage in strength of schedule uh, because they didn't have to play um, Troy or South Alabama or the Cajuns. But once you break it down into Sunbelt only, Carly Heath led in most categories, uh, including stolen bases, and she also won three games as a pitcher. Correct. Uh, she led the league in slugging percentage. She led the league in home runs. Uh, there really wasn't any comparison in, in really – I, I get where Marshall fans are coming from, but in league play, the, the Heath was easily the better player. How much do you think the, the pitching aspect of it helped her in, in terms of having the advantage? Uh, not. I, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think it mattered all that much, to be honest with you. I, I, I think even if she wasn't a pitcher, she still would have won it. You know, and, and not to, to disparage Marshall or their schedule yet, but I'm going to. You know, look, I'm 70 years old, but I can hit seventh grade pitching, okay? Right. So, you know, Marshall, if they want to get the kind of respect in the league that they want to have, they need to make their schedule better, and they need to go win some of those games. Sure. It's that simple. What are, you, what are you expecting out of this Texas State-Troy game as soon as it, it, it can get played due to the weather? First team to blink loses. Okay. No, no, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> you know, Jessica Mullins and Leanna Johnson oh, yeah. are both two really good pitchers. So this might come down to who kicks a ground ball, you know, who has a, a throw to first base, tick off their glove. It could come down to who blinks first. Yeah. Um, I don't expect it's going to be a high-scoring game, I can tell you that much. No, bo both outstanding pitchers. Uh, here in hour number two, you're going to hear a conversation I had earlier this week with head coach Jerry Glasgow. And he he brought up both of them by name in, in that interview, talking about how whichever one they end up facing, the, the Cajuns, that is, they're, they're going to have a really tough time. They're going to have their hands full. and uh, But it but that's good, right? You want to face good competition. And I know that 
with the Cajuns trying to increase their RPI if they can. They want to play the best, the best teams. Absolutely. And so they're going to get the winner of this game, and the RPI difference is not very, very big. And then if you win that, you want to play South Alabama Correct. because they've got the better RPI. And then you you see if you're good enough. But you know what? Been talk. Can they host? Can they not host? Can they host? Can they not host? If they don't win this tournament, conversation's over. Okay. If they don't win this tournament, they're traveling somewhere. So you think they have to win? I do. Okay. Because I've heard some people say if they make, if they just make the final, that that would be enough. I don't know that. I don't know that that's going to be good enough. Now, they got a little help earlier today. Because Baylor got bounced from Big 12 tournament oh, wow. today. Okay. And so that's something that's going to work in their favor. In their favor, for sure. But I, I think they need to go out there with the attitude of, if we're going to host a regional, we have to win this tournament. That needs to be their mindset going out there. Chatting with the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker here for Cajuns Corner. You no, know, I told you I got here at 10 o'clock, right? Yeah. And it was pretty warm. Okay? Right, right. And so I've been sweating a lot. So you got to hydrate. Here's the good news. $2 Natty Lights. Have, have you have you indulged in the two dollar ninety lights? Would you like a sip of what's about? <laughs> Seven o'clock, Louisiana and ULM. You know, do you think it creates an advantage for the Cajuns, knowing that you just played a three game series against this team five days ago? I don't know. You know, I think that you know ULM comes down, and in fact, they didn't even go home. Okay, they stayed. Well, um, that makes sense. And, you know, I'm sure that their attitude is, hey, we get another crack at them. But the reality is they didn't come close to beating them in any of the games that were right. played. So I, I think, you know, I think this team, the, the Cajuns need to come out and play like they're playing UCLA. You know, come out with that mindset and, uh, and, and just take care of their business. You know, you, you can't. What, what is it Tony Robichaud used to say? Only a fool underestimates his opponent, Correct. right? So come out with an attitude, play at your level, and move on. You know, you brought up Tony Robichaud. I want to I ask you about his, his son, Justin. Second year as the pitching coach here for the Cajuns. And, you know, from a media slash spectator perspective here, I think that he has done an incredible job with this pitching staff with Megan Shorman, Sam Landry, Kendra Lamb, et cetera. Uh, you know, from your perspective, being here way more than any of us are, what have you seen out of Justin Robichaud? Well, Justin is his father's son, all right? And so you knew that he was coming into this with the ability to go ahead and take what they have and make them better. Uh, and I think he's done that. The thing that he had to do was he had to win over Jerry Glasgow, even, even though Jerry hired him, okay? Right. It still had to be a situation where, okay, I get it because of the fact that, you know, this is a different situation for Justin. He's never, he's never been a pitching coach at the collegiate level. He's never coached women at the collegiate level. So I think that he had to, he had to win his boss over too, but I for think sure. he's done that. And, and you hear Jerry in some of the um, press conferences and stuff – just praising yeah, the absolutely. job that Justin has done. Um, and But I'll say this. The the four or five young women who have appeared in the circle, I'm just here to tell you they believe in that guy big time. And, uh, you know, 
Sit and have a conversation with Megan. Sit and have a conversation with Kendra. Sit and have a conversation with Carly. And let them talk about what working with Justin Robichaux has been like the last two years. Let's switch over to baseball now. Big series right right around the corner over here at MLT Moore Field when uh, Matt Deggs' crew is going to let welcome in uh, Texas State. I, I, I know the window of at large has closed, uh, especially with the loss to Louisiana Tech the other night. That, that window has closed. How min- do they need a sweep against Texas State to create momentum heading into that final road series against Southern Miss? I, I think that I think that they need to look at this whole thing as a congregate deal. Okay, I think they need to split the next six games. Okay, if they can get a split in those six games, then I think they're going to finish in the top six and get a first round bye. I think that's the goal for this team right now. Um, but you know what? That's what you and I are looking at. I think that their whole mindset is win Friday. One game at a time. Right. One game at a time. And then you go out and try to win Saturday. And then you go out and try to win Sunday. Um, and I love the way this team is swinging the bat. I have loved the way they've played defense all year. This is one of the top two or three Cajun defenses I've ever covered, and I'll tell you what, it's the best Cajun outfield I've ever covered. Yep. Um, so they're doing those things well. They just need to quit being so damn generous, okay? They, they walked eight and hit two the other night. Right. They had an inning where they gave up two runs where the opposition didn't even put the ball in play. Correct. You walked them in. And... No, I mean, you walked to get them on base, too. I right, mean, right. There, were, there, were four, there were three walks and two hit batsmen that inning. Um, or four walks and two, whatever it was. It was, it was not good. Um, so, you know, you need to be consistent in making other teams earn what they get. Anytime the Cajuns have done that, they've been in every game. Correct. They've not been whooped but how do in you, a game. But how they, do you fix that, Jay? Well, I, I mean, how do you fix it? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Uh, because... You've been working with these guys all year long to get them to throw strikes. And there are nights when they do. And there are a few guys who have done it on a pretty regular basis. There have been other guys that have gone out and cut up a team and then turned around and, you know, walked two and hit one and left with the bases loaded after facing three hitters. I mean, the inconsistency of a little more than half the pitching staff is is what has hurt them. And, And... so, they got to go out. They got to be. Uh, they got to be good. And and if they go out and they they throw strikes and they make the other team beat them, they're going to have a chance to win. As we wrap up, Jay, I'll come back to the softball tournament. Every year, it's at a it's at a different, you know, school gives gives the teams the opportunity to host the event. How big is it for Louisiana from a you know revenue perspective and exposure perspective? All of it. To, to hold this championship here. You know what's been impressive to me, Matt, throughout the day? The first two games of this tournament, you've got James Madison, who's coming from Virginia, Marshall, who's coming from West Virginia, West Virginia Coastal Carolina, who's coming from Myrtle Beach. If you've never driven it, it's about 15 hours. And um, help me with the four. Oh, South Alabama, of yep. course, who brought a very nice crowd. Um and yet the crowds here have been very nice. They have. You know, and it's, I think, 
with with new teams in the league this year, and I'm going to count Southern Miss as well. And they were here for you know their first game. Those three teams are getting an idea of what big girl softball is about. Um, you know, I don't think James in the, in the Colonial James Madison they were the big girls, right, okay? Right. But this is a program that doesn't even charge admission to their games, Correct. right? And uh, and then Marshall the same way. So they come here, they see more people in the stands for these games than a lot of more more often than not they draw at home. Now James Madison has drawn some good crowds this year, um, and they they've gotten a look at the ballpark. They've gotten a look at you know music and 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 just the hospitality and everything else. Sure. I think being able to host this year was big for the Cajuns with the new teams coming in. Jay Walker, the voice of the Cajuns, joining us here for Cajuns Corner on a gloomy Thursday afternoon. Just got to tell you, okay, Saturday, everybody be out at Teague Field early, all right, because graduation day is going to begin at 20 minutes before the hour, okay? And uh, they will uh, they will recognize the seniors after the game. Okay. Um, and then on Sunday, of course, is Mother's Day, so the moms get to throw out the first pitch. For sure. But, you know, I've had arguments with people about the coach's most important job. And for me, the coach's most important job, I don't care what sport we're talking about, is to make sure that your players graduate. And, uh, yeah, you got to win. you got to do all that other stuff. But the most important thing you do is prepare them for life after the for sport. Sure. And uh, we're going to see one manager and nine players um, two of them already graduated in the fall. They'll be recognized, and the others will get their diplomas on Saturday. I had never, until Tony started that tradition of graduating at home plate, I had never seen a student athlete graduate. I'm going to have to take commercial breaks because it's the most emotional day of the year for me. I, I love seeing it. And, and some of these players I've gotten to know pretty well. It's going to be a special day Saturday, and I hope, I hope the baseball fans will come out early. If the women are in the championship game, it won't start till 7 o'clock, okay? So come on out, uh, get there early, recognize these uh, young men that are graduating, enjoy now, the game, and then uh, baseball come on over plays at 4, one. right? 4 o'clock, yeah. So championship game is at 1 here. Correct. And then uh, That's right. So I, come here right. and then go to the Teague for Cajuns baseball yeah, that. at 4 o'clock. Jay, appreciate you as always, and uh, we'll, we'll go back to normal next week. No. No? No. I'm going to have baseball in Hattiesburg next Thursday. That's right. So we'll do, we'll do it on a Wednesday then. It'll be just Cajun's Corner on a Wednesday. We'll take a time out. We'll wrap up our number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, know that you love our shenanigans both on and off the air, and we want to help you help us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. Click the bell so you can get notifications when we post our new content and post-game recaps. Follow us on YouTube at The Game Louisiana. This is Crunch Time. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Crunch Time, wrapping up hour number one here in the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Now, Matt Miguez left me by my lonesome self here, but Matt is at Lampson Park, so congrats to him. Let's talk about the Don't poll question of the day. Hey, I mean, lucky Don't you. Don't do that. <laughs> don't 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 make our listeners feel bad for you because <laughs> you have to stay in air conditioning while I get to enjoy the lovely Lampson Park. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I was I gonna say pretty, I'd rather I've be got a pretty sweet gig out here. I'd rather be but, in your position. But looking at the poll question of the day, we will. Who do you? How many game sixes do you think we'll see in the NBA playoffs? Zero to one, two, three, or do we think all four series are gonna go to games? Are we gonna see? Vote on that on Twitter and Facebook if you'd like. Go give your thoughts on the poll question in the comments. And then look at some baseball scores from the MLB. The Reds beat the Mets 5-0. The Padres lost to the Twins 5-3. And then with the Royals, it was 3-3. Bases loaded at the bottom of the ninth. And then we got a walk-off bunt with Nick Prado scoring the final run. A walk-off bunt. Yeah, you don't see that. You don't see that every day. You really don't, and that's what really shocked me, and that's why I wanted to bring it up in this final segment as we're wrapping up here. Oh, a walk-off bunt. Good for the Royals, picking up the four-three win on a walk-off bunt. That I have to say it multiple times because that's just mind-blowing. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one right here. Come back for hour number two. We'll talk more about the NFL schedule release. Hopefully have some softball to talk about with this weather delay wrapping up soon, hopefully. And a conversation with softball head coach Jerry Glasgow right here on The Game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of crunch time underway from Yvette Girard Field at Lampson Park. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Crunch time broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. James is there in the Evco Development Studios. I'm here at Lampson Park for the Sunbelt Softball Championships. Still under a rain delay in game number three of the day between number four, Troy, and number five, Texas State. The only update that I have, James, is that they're waiting to see what one more cell does because they don't want to start the game back up and then have to delay it again five minutes later. Which is completely fair. It is. It is. So that is why the delay is taking longer than expected because you went into delay about 4.10, So 30 minutes, you probably should have gotten underway about 15 minutes ago. You should have gotten underway when we were under Cajun's Corner. Correct. Um, So we will keep you posted with what happens here at Lampson Park. Again, the Cajuns and ULM will get started at some point tonight. Maybe 8 o'clock, maybe 9 o'clock. Who knows? Uh, Cajuns, Sunbelt Softball after dark, if you will. Um, But no, earlier we talked in hour number one about the NFL schedule release going on today. The official release is 7 o'clock tonight, but like we said, in today's age of social media, things get leaked all the time. James, for the first time in the league's history, they're going to have a 
Christmas Day, Monday, triple header. Three games will get played on Christmas Day in the NFL. The first one at noon between the Raiders and the Chiefs. Ugh. That I, game's going to be bad. I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, I'm not the biggest fan of NFL playing on Christmas Day. I, I agree. Because I agree. Because not only are you playing one, but you're playing three. But guess what? You're now going to have competition with the NBA because NBA does NBA Christmas Thanks. all the time. Thanksgiving is for football. Christmas Day is for basketball. Right. That's that's how I felt my entire life. Because we were talking about college football in the NFL kind of mixing it together because of the playoffs for college football and then the NFL kind of getting towards the end of their regular season having that sort of conflict it's like you're doing three Christmas Day games I also just feel like most teams in most sports I don't want them to play during the big holiday like Christmas yeah that's my type of thing like that's the per like I can understand with Thanksgiving but for Christmas I feel like that should be relegated to just everybody go see their families yeah and i agree with that and that, that and that's obviously been a, a point of conversation for for years now that no game should get played on christmas day for the opportunity for those players to go spend time with their families but uh yeah i'm not a huge fan of the nfl and the nba trying to to fight for competition on christmas day but the second game of christmas day giants and eagles an nfc east showdown in philly Dan Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, which quarterback prevails? Uh, probably Jalen Hurts. I mean, Danny. Yeah, I mean, that's a Danny Cornhole is my fantasy, my dynasty fantasy QB. But still, I I still think the Eagles, even though they the Giants have made some solid additions in the offseason, the Eagles have done just as much, if not more, and they are already clearly above the better team, as we saw in the playoffs when the Eagles and Giants faced off. And then the night game at, at 720. How about the Ravens and the 49ers? Mm. Ooh, it's an intriguing matchup right there because at that point, you don't know since it's going to be so far into the season. You would assume Brock Purdy would be the quarterback, but you never know. Maybe Trey Lance has taken over that position. And then you have Lamar Jackson with his revamped wide receiver core. It's going to be an intriguing matchup, no doubt. How about the Thursday night season opener for the NFL? The defending champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Detroit Lions. It's interesting because you know that the Lions have kind of been on the high rise, as we've seen lately. They've been one hell of an offense. You feel like Jared Goff is kind of one of those quarterbacks that has been, even though you've been crit critical of him over the years, he's pretty been pretty consistent, and he's been a solid guy throughout yep so even though you'd probably you're probably going to take the Chiefs in the money line and all that is going to be heavily favored in Kansas City you still feel like it's going to be a close matchup throughout because of that offense for Detroit the, this next leak that we're going to discuss is probably the one that I am most intrigued about it's a week nine game on November the 6th it is going to be Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets in primetime. Yes, the, the Jets play primetime games now that they have Aaron Rodgers. Um, against the Young Buck and Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. 
I really like this matchup, James, because, like I said, you, you've got the old vet, the, the multi-time MVP, the first ballot Hall of Famer who, who you assume is in the last couple of years of his NFL career against the young up-and-comer. Right, and it's interesting because now you got two gunslingers, and you would hope this one will be a barn burner. A barn burner. I mean, you love it. New York has a solid defense, and so does the Chargers. But we've seen what the Chargers defense can do at times. Is they were up by four touchdowns in the playoffs, and then they gave it up to the Jags. So I feel like even though you can see heavy pressure from both teams on both quarterbacks, I correct think who. It's going to be that classic, whichever quarterback has the ball last, that team is going to win the game. Another game that's interesting, if you look at week six, Jets and Eagles. Now, the Jets are 0-12 all-time versus the Eagles. against Philly. You think that changes this year, or is it now 0-13? Uh, I wouldn't put my money on it. Ooh. You're not putting your money on Aaron Rodgers? No. Nah. No. On Rodgers? Discount double check. I'm so yes. glad we got to see that. I just did that live on, on air. But, so, look, obviously there, there's plenty of leaks that, that are coming out throughout the afternoon. Looking at some other top stories in sports. We talked about the NBA. Obviously two big game sixes tonight for the NBA. Celtics, Sixers, Nuggets, Suns. If you look at some of the top stories in sports, Brett Favre has dropped his lawsuit against Pat McAfee. Uh, Nuggets' Jamal Murray listed as questionable for tonight with an illness. And then we talked earlier, James, about the status of DeAndre Ayton looking very bleak for the Phoenix Suns. It's interesting keeping up with the NBA. The All-NBA teams came out. They did. You had Giannis, and Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Shea Gilligas-Alexander, and then Luka Doncic as the first team. The second team was Nikola Jokic, Donovan Mitchell, Steph Curry, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown. And then for the third team, it was Devontae Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, Damian Lillard, Julius Randle, and then LeBron James rounding it out. So... The, the thing that bl that blows my mind here for the All-NBA team is you look at Jalen Brown making the second team, which I think is warranted. I think that's deserved. But what that now does, James, is that makes both Tatum and Brown eligible for a Supermax. Correct, and that was my big worry. We had, we had talked about it throughout. I said if... Jalen Brown does not get that Supermax because he doesn't make an All-NBA team. He's probably out of Boston. But now that he has the ability to get that, I think there is a solid chance that he returns to the Celtics this offseason and in the coming years. Now, the big thing with it tonight, you, if you're Jason Tatum, you got NBA first team. Jalen Brown, you got NBA second team. You need to step up. You need to have the games of your lives to survive and bring it back to Boston in the Garden for Game 7. Because Joel Embiid, MVP, All-NBA first team as well. But I am not seeing any other 76ers in any of these lists. 
James Harden, one hell of a talent. Tyrese Maxey has played phenomenal, and we saw it in game three. He's been one hell of a talent in his third year. But look, to me, you have the better depth. To me, you have the more overall star power. You have to send it back to Boston and win tonight. Yep, I, I agree. But, you know, one thing that's interesting, though, is like we mentioned, both Brown and Tatum are eligible for a Supermax. Now, you can have two Supermaxes on a team at one time, but, James, that really straps a franchise. It really that does. Takes up, that takes up 70% of your salary cap. And eventually, so, but it, it, it also helps since you will be moving on very soon with Al Horford. It does. Assume. And at a certain point, you may have to move on from some other guys and look more towards the young talent. But who do you move on from? That's gonna be that's gonna be the tough choices that Brad Stevens is gonna have to make. I mean, God, I don't know that you let Malcolm Brogdon walk. Bro- I don't Bro- know that Brogdon's Brogdon's been really good for you. I don't. It's gonna be tough to see what they do with Rob Williams because he's gonna be starting tonight. And you've seen him start plenty of times, but a lot right. of times you don't see him there in crunch time. So if that's the case, that maybe lowers his number that he well, would ask for in an extension. He might have to become a crunch time guy. Right. Because if they don't bring out Horford back, who, who are you going to play at center? So that that's going to be the interesting thing to see what the Celtics do. You know, obviously there, there's no doubt the, the talents that – both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, but could you see a world where Brad Stevens says, look, we really can't put two Supermaxes on the book. We're going to have to pick one. Are you could asking you, Are you yeah, asking me you, which one they would pick of the two? If, if it came to that, yeah. You would probably go with Jason Tatum. You feel like he has a higher ceiling. I know he's been a little more inconsistent at times in the playoffs, but he's younger. You feel like he's got the higher ceiling as a player, and a lot of a lot of people like to make the make the comparison and say Jalen Brown is better. I don't know about all that because at times, initially in his career, Jalen Brown was a really good defender. But over time, he's worked on more of his individual game. I see Jalen Brown as the more suitable target that you move on from than Jason Tatum. Yeah, that's what's going to be interesting. Because I mean, I'm not saying that. The Celtics can't have two supermaxes. It's allowed, but then it puts you much, in a bind the rest of the, how, how the rest much of the way. Of support, how much of a supporting cast around those guys will you be able to bring in? You That's would, what's going to be the question. You would need guys like Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, everybody else yeah. to to be willing to not take as much money. And even with incoming free agents, you'd have to have bargain deals. Correct. So we'll take a time out here on Crunch Time 515. When we return, James and I will continue to look at some schedule releases. Plus, we'll talk Southland Conference softball and preview both baseball matchups for LSU, UL, and McNeese this weekend right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're like the rest of us and low on cash, 
Not to worry, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help with your date night blues. Join our rewards club to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great prizes by joining the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 519. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. James, let's look at LSU baseball as they prepare to host Mississippi State in the three-game series this weekend. Mississippi State is typically one of the top college baseball programs in the country. This year, they're, they're struggling just a, just a tad bit. Uh, you know, if you look at their record, they're 24-23. and 23. They're 6-18 and 18 in the SEC. And they are coming off of a tough stretch. They have dropped their last six SEC games, getting swept by Tennessee two weekends ago and then getting swept by Arkansas last weekend. James, what kind of Mississippi State team do we see? Do we see an angry, motivated Mississippi State team? Or do we see one that looks at this season and goes, this season has not gone as we hoped it would. It's almost over. Let's just be done with it. I mean, I see a team that's still trying to fight because even though you've lost your last six and then you even had your last game against Memphis canceled on Tuesday. So to me, you want to try and go against the number two team in the country and try and at least get a win in this series. Yeah, one win would be huge. Um, obviously, a series win for, for Mississippi State would just be monumental at this stage in the season. Look, tomorrow night, you know what LSU is going to get with Paul Skeens on the mound. You know what he's going to deliver. He, he's going to limit you to two runs on seven hits, and, and he's going to have 13 to 15 strikeouts. Um, Saturday and Sunday, though, little up in the air for LSU in terms of pitching. You know, re- realistically, looking at this offense against Mississippi State, does LSU take the series at home and win two out of three? I mean, I see them when I'm, I see them win at least two getting the sweep is a good chance for me. So you have you, you think LSU could get the sweep. I don't disagree with that. Because um, because you lost you lost the series last weekend. Correct. I think you come back and you had a nice game earlier in the week. You come back this weekend and prove why you should be ranked back. Because if you lose at least one game to a team like Mississippi State who's really struggled this year, that's really gonna hurt in my eyes. For sure. For sure. Uh, looking at McNeese now 31 and 16 on the season. They're playing their final Southland Conference Series this weekend. They will be in Natchitoches to take on Northwestern State. Fresh off of their 7 to 3 win over Nichols two nights ago down in Thibodeau. James Justin Hill's group having a great season, and they're looking to finish it strong with a three game series against Northwestern before headed to Baton Rouge to take on LSU. Uh, you know, seven games left, three of them in Lake Charles. You know, is is five and two 
uh, a realistic opportunity for McNeese? I feel like they have a good shot at it. I mean, this is a really good McNeese baseball team, and I mean, they've had a lot of times where they play at home, making up for what had happened with the Hurricanes and stuff. But I, I think this is a really good opportunity for them to at least go five and two the rest of the way. And then lastly for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they'll be at home this weekend to play a three-game set with Texas State in a, in a series that's going to determine a lot. You know, th this is a series where you're playing a team that's right there in that mix with you for a top six spot. Uh, the, the Cajuns could separate themselves a little bit here before they head to Hattiesburg to take on Southern Miss, the second-ranked team in the Sun Belt. Look, you know, you heard it from Jay Walker earlier when he was on for Cajuns Corner. I, I think you just have to take this series one game at a time. You know, worry about Friday, get the win on Friday, and then go from there. Don't say, oh, you know, we got to go win and sweep. Oh, we got to go in and win the series. Take it one game at a time and let things fall where they may. Your offense is going to deliver for you. You saw it. You know, against Louisiana Tech, you had 15 base hits. Your offense showed up. Your pitching gave up too many opportunities. So can pitching become more consistent? The offense continue to deliver, and the Cajuns create some momentum for themselves headed into the conference tournament and potentially a regional. Uh, James, you know, again, Texas State coming to town for three. What, do you, what is your outlook this weekend for the Cajuns? I mean, I, I completely agree with the you got to take a one at a game, one game at a time, especially with this at this point in the season. You can't worry about going too far ahead in the season because at this point, we've already seen it where they they get ahead, but then in the last moment, last couple of innings, they give it away. They need to focus on getting the game done and securing it, and then moving on to the next one before you go to Saturday or Sundays or even next week's contests. We just got word here at Lamson Park that this game between Texas State and Troy will begin at 540. Now keep in mind, they're still in the top of the first tier at Lamson Park. So we're looking at an 8, 830 start time for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns tonight, which, you know, welcome welcome to tournament life in, uh, in South Louisiana when Mother Nature refuses to cooperate. Looking at the NHL playoffs, excuse me, the Toronto Maple Leafs putting a win in the column last night, beating Florida 2-1 to one behind two points from Mitch Marner and a 960 save percentage from their goaltender, Jared Wall. Again, 3-1, to one, or Joseph Wall, excuse me, 3-1 to one in the series now. Florida has the lead, and then the night game last night, the Edmonton Oilers rolling the Vegas Golden Knights 4 to 4 to tie 4 to 1 to tie the series at two games apiece Connor McDavid your second star of the game with two assists on the night tonight's contest the Carolina Hurricanes and the New Jersey Devils Carolina leads that series 3 games to 1 they're looking to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, Carolina is a minus 140 favorite in that game at home in Raleigh and then at 8.30, the Seattle Kraken and the Dallas Stars will play in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, a minus 195 favorite. Dallas looking to take a 3-2 lead in that game after winning big in Seattle the other night in game four by a score of 
to three. No really new updates in terms of the NFL schedule release, but James, uh, something that I've seen pop up that I find kind of interesting is six NFL vets that could be on the verge of losing their jobs after the NFL draft. One of them being Carl Lawson, the defensive end for the Jets. He could get replaced by Will McDonald, the rookie out of Iowa State. Another guy that's on this list is K.J. Hamler. The Denver Broncos could save $1.5 million if they cut him, and Marvin Mims is sitting there as a replacement for him in Sean Payton's offense. And as I've mentioned before, I'm a really big Marvin Mims fan, so at this point, you see that a lot of time, especially with Will McDonald getting drafted early on in the first round by the Jets midway through. So usually when you see that type of stuff, even though you feel like, oh, well, that room already seems pretty loaded, that kind of leads you to believe that guys that are a little bit older, guys that are on expiring contracts that maybe aren't like for sure guys that are like pro bowlers, all pro, those guys have a pretty good chance at that point of they might be one of the vets that get cut that you always hear from every year. Another guy, Uchenna Nwosu, the linebacker from Seattle. If they cut him before June 1st, $8.26 million would be saved by the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, they just drafted Derek Hall in the second round this past year. James, that's a move that just, I mean, $8.2 million in cap. That's a lot. It makes all the sense of the world, and especially – if he's willing to come back and you get him on a bargain deal, because we've seen that every once in a while with the NFL, you cut him, save that amount of money, like in this case $8 million, and then you bring him back on a kind of vet minimum type of deal where, oh, well, it's like a one-year deal where it's like $1 to $3 million, and it's usually right. incentive-based at that point. How about for the commanders? Kendall Fuller at cornerback. They just drafted Emmanuel Forbes in the first round. Some people believe he was the top corner in the draft. But $8.5 million against the cap, James. Again. It's another one of those perfect situations. Right. It it just makes too much sense. Look, Kendall Fuller might be a great player, but if you've got a rookie that can do the same job and you can save $8.5 million, why the hell wouldn't you? And then, like you mentioned with Nwosu in Seattle, just because you cut him doesn't mean he doesn't come back. Right, you get them to a cheaper deal where it's a little better on your dollar. You just you just got to get some help. And then a- another one that really jumped out at me when I saw the name, James, for the Arizona Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins. Well, I what mean, you, we've been, well, the thing with D-Hop is we've been hearing a lot throughout the offseason that they very easily could move on from him and trade him. So I'm not surprised that his name has popped up. The Arizona Cardinals would save $8.9 million pre-June 1st. But then if they waited until after June 1st to cut him, they would save $19.4 million, James. $19 million. Look. DeAndre Hopkins might be a great player, but he's battled some injuries. He's battled some off-the-field issues, getting suspended a couple of times. Look, if I'm a new GM and I see that, I I, I need money. 
I need money to spend. And I, I know the idea of, hey, let's win instantly, yada, yada, yada. But, dude, $19.4 million could be the difference maker for being a, a playoff team or a 7-10 and 10 team that just has a lot of talent. Right, and there's still guys out in this free agency that you can use to go sign sure. with, with the money that you just saved. And then, of course, you know, you drafted Michael Wilson as a guy that, that could step up and, you know, be a talented receiver for you. Is he going to fill the void of a DeAndre Hopkins? No, probably not. And asking a guy to do that is a tall task. But can he be serviceable for you while you stuff your pockets with $19.4 million? You betcha. That that just makes too much sense to me. Um, if you're if you're DeAndre Hopkins and the Arizona Cardinals. 532, we'll take a time out here on Crunch Time. We return. Conversation from earlier this week with Raging Cajuns head softball coach Jerry Glasgow as the Cajuns prepare to host ULM in the final game of the quarterfinals in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to sit down with the head coach of the Louisiana Raging Cajun softball team, Jerry Glasgow, as they prepare to take on ULM tonight in the quarterfinals of the Sun Belt Softball Championships at Lampson Park. And we, we talked about the lead-up to the tournament the season that his team has had, the preparation that they went through in order to be in the position that they are in now, 43-13, and 13, fourth highest strength of schedule, top 10 in the RPI. And we dove deep into a couple of his players and the impacts that they have made, especially his freshman class. So here is the conversation from earlier this week with Raging Cajuns head softball coach, Jerry Glasgow. All right, coach. You know, let's start. With recapping the season as a whole, you know, 43 and 13, you captured your fourth straight regular season title, and now you're prepping to host the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Where's the mindset of the team headed into this week? Well, I think we just, we'd like to finish strong. You know, you want to have momentum going into the postseason. I think the team is feeling really good. Final exams are over, season's over, but they want to win this tournament. And they'd like to, you know, win the tournament and have that momentum going into the regional. So just focused on the tournament. Looking at your team, let's start with, with Carly Heath. You know, she's kind of a – I make the joke that she's the Taysom Hill of the softball team. She really just can do it all. Uh, she can pitch. She can hit. She can play defense. Uh, talk about how invaluable that is to have somebody like that that no matter where you need her, she can play. Yeah, she can do so many things. It's really good to have that type of player you know we have we need her on the on the in the circle we can put her there we know she's gonna compete really hard like she competitor and go back to UCLA that's reason we wanted to start her against UCLA because I knew she'd go in the circle that day and and give us everything she had get us off to a, a, a good start because and that's infectious that infects your teammates and uh, the players around her 
And then same way on bases, you know, she's fast, so she brings energy, plays with a lot of enthusiasm. She's always smiling. All that stuff just brings a lot of good, positive energy to your ball club. Now, to, to piggyback off of the speed on the bases, Maya Davis, 45 stolen bases this year. The school record is 60. I, I know we're kind of running out of time here in the season, but is there any realistic chance that she catches that record? Well, I don't think so because we injury. You know that she missed ten games early in the year with the with, when she was hurt, and that was a school record. When she if she hadn't missed those ten games, you'd probably already have a school record. But at this point in the season, stealing bases is not it's secondary to keeping her healthy, and so I don't I don't foresee us trying to make a run still fifteen sixteen bases here in the next seven eight games, just because we're going to be thinking about health. You know, if we get that many at bats. You're going to want to take care of her on the basis because she's so valuable on defense and offense. Talk about your young players, you know, Cecilia Vasquez and Lauren Allred and Victoria Valdez and the impact that they've been able to make so early on in their Cajun careers. Yeah, we've got a really good freshman class, Kylie Griffiths in that class. and Maybe, you know, I would say raw talent. Kylie's right up there with Maya Davis, just tremendously talented. And so – Really good freshman class, and Vic's, Vic's bringing, you know, great presence behind the plate and then Sissy in the middle infield, defensive positions, and they're they're just really good. They played high-level travel ball, so they're experienced in pressure. They handle pressure. They think they can win against anybody. And so this it's a just a tremendous freshman class. Looking at your pitching rotation, you know, in today's college softball, if you have one really good pitcher – and then a second one to back her up, you're in good shape. You have three. Talk about how special that is and the advantage that that may create for you guys in the postseason with Sam, Megan, and Kendra. Yeah, and Carly. And Carly, four. yeah, four. Yeah, you've got four there that you can use. I mean, Carly can help you in defense and out in the outfield and with her bat, obviously. So tend to go to the other three just because Carly can help you somewhere else. But really fortunate with our pitching staff and – um, but, you know, Shorman and what we've been doing is using Shorman and Landry as starters. Uh, they're both very good. They're both very different. And then we bring Kander Lamb in, in late uh, to close. And this week we're going to see Carly go to the setup spot in that maybe the fourth, fifth inning um, in between to buffer in between the starter and and Kandra. And so hopefully if we get a – the, the game plan is hopefully we can have a four or five run lead uh, going into the fifth inning, some of these games, at least one or two of them. And, and then we get go to Carly and get her an inning, inning and a half work, and then bring Kendra to close it. That's what I'd like to see us do, just to save arms and keep everybody fresh for the postseason. But really blessed to have all four of those girls still 68 to 70. They all got different pitches, but they can all get strikeouts. They've either got a good changeup or a good rise ball, but they've got a good strikeout pitch. And uh, so it's very fortunate to have that staff. And then one more player question, Alexa Langliers at shortstop. She has played every single game this season, started all but one. Mm -hmm. Uh, To have somebody, you know, they say the the best ability is availability. For her to be able to play in every game for you this season, how critical has that been to always have somebody to depend on like that? Yeah, especially she's so versatile. She can... She has big games offensively. When she's on, she's as good a hitter as is in the country. 
And, uh, you know, you saw that in the Central Florida game where she had seven RBIs. And you saw that in Ole Miss where we went three nuts. She has three for three with three RBIs. She gets hot. She's red hot. And um, then defensively, she can play second or short as well as anybody. Um, and she can run a basis. She's fast. She, she really runs a basis. She's got a real high softball IQ. She's a smart player. So, and she, she's a leader. Like she's a quiet leader, but the team all looks up to her, all respects her and her enthusiasm. Again, really enthusiastic player. Talk about the beginning of the season. You know, you had the tournament in Clearwater. You had the tournament at Florida. How have – and you've talked all season about you scheduled with a purpose this season. How have those tournaments at the beginning of the year prepared you, not only for this weekend, but next weekend and beyond in the postseason? Yeah, I think by playing a really tough schedule, it, it exposes your weaknesses. It helps you understand, like, number one, it helps you understand how important defense is. And, you know, we go back to Florida, we did have Maya Davis, and Lauren Allred wasn't in the lineup yet. See, you know, you had a two freshmen, key freshmen now, that are big, big parts of our, our lineup, right. our cleanup hitter and leadoff the last 10 games. At the end of the season, those kids weren't even playing in Florida. But it give everybody a chance to it give it give other players chances to, to play, and it helped me as a coach to see what everyone could do against elite pitching, and then kind of gives me an idea how I want to handle the roster here going down the stretch in the postseason. You talked about playing tough competition exposes your weaknesses. What what would you say this team's biggest weaknesses? Defense, uh, without a doubt, is defensively is our challenge. And putting a, putting a, the best defense out there and still having a good offense, and so the beauty of it is we got some depth on our roster, and so we got some players that are better defensively and some players that are better offensively, and and what I think you're going to see in the postseason will combine all those, and we're going to see the kids accept that. You know, I think that everybody realizes like we're better as a group than we are as individuals, and we're going to combine and and we're gonna we're gonna use the the strengths of each individual player to hopefully make a better team here. And and I think that those early season losses, you know, to weather that storm of all of we were eighteen and nine. So we'd lost a third of our games in the first twenty seven games. First half of the season we lost one third of our games and nobody quit. Nobody got discouraged. Nobody give up. Nobody got frustrated. We all stayed in there, hung in there, hung in there. Now down the stretch we're pretty good. And and we know and we, we, as a ball club, we're mature enough and intelligent enough to know why why this kid's going out to right field, why this kid goes into left field, why we make this move at second base, why we make this move at third base. And everybody accepts that at this point in the season. Thursday night, you're going to play the winner of Georgia Southern and ULM. Talk about both of those teams and what you could expect from either one. Well, they're going to, they're going to you know, those teams are going to play each other and we'll see who we play. I think think ULM swept the regular season series, so I'm expecting it to be ULM, but you never know in a one-game, seven-inning match, anybody can win. But they'll come out. They'll have some, Whoever wins that game will feel some life. You know, they'll, they'll get some – they'll be invigorated from the from the win. And it's postseason. They don't – you know, they played one good seven-inning game. Why can't they play another seven? So they'll make a run. And in the first two, three innings is really important in that game because we have to establish momentum and take momentum away from them that they'll have from coming off that first round win. And then we'll get comfortable in a hurry, I believe, on our field. And uh, I think at the end of the day, our talent will overwhelm 
that game, in my opinion. You talked earlier this week about liking the single elimination format of the tournament because you get everybody's best. Um, you know, just talk about teams that you could potentially face South Alabama, Marshall, Texas State. I know you brought up Olivia Lackey in the presser on Monday. How are, how are you guys prepared to potentially face that opposition? Yeah, I think you're, you know, you're going to, you're obviously going to see the winner of ULM and, and Georgia State. And then the next game will be the winner of Troy, Texas State. I would lean towards it being Texas State, uh, Mullins. But it could be Johnson. She's a good pitcher, and she's had success against everybody in the Sun Belt except us. So it could be Johnson, and it could be it could be Mullins. Um, I think we're two and five against Mullins, or two and six maybe, in her career. So she has beat us in the past, and then with Johnson, she's never ever beat us. But she's and her ERA is like five against us. Like we've had great success against Johnson, but you you know she'll be that. Looking for that one start in her career, right. which will make her dangerous. You know that she's going to be motivated to try to win that one time against Louisiana, and we'll have to battle through that in the early innings. And tournament games is always a, like a tug of war at the beginning, and you got to get the you got to get the momentum in your dugout and then going your way, and then you got to finish when you get it. And so that's how that the second round will play out, and then then you're going to get to the third round, and you're going to get, you know. I believe you, you, you're you either going to get Marshall or South Alabama. And we haven't seen Marshall, so I don't know that much about them yet. I'm sure by the end of the week and watch them here at the tournament, I'll know more. And if we get South Alabama, well, we played them like 15 times or 16 times since I've been here. You know, they're, they're going to, there's a lot of reasons to be worried about that game. Last question I've got is when you look at this conference tournament being at Lampson Park, how is that different? than the last couple of years where you guys have had to go on, on the road. Do you treat this as a, a typical home series where you, the, we'll the non-typical fans, side of it is playing a different team every day? Yeah, I don't know. It's like a home series, maybe like a real college series because we'll have fans here. We'll have – so, you know, when you go to other ballparks, you just don't have the fan base that you have here. And here you've got a fan base like, you know, like it's big-time softball here and – it's going to be good for the conference exposure just to have the fans and the, the noise and the, the atmosphere of big-time college softball. Coach, appreciate your time. Thank you. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game has a brand new app, and it is now your one-stop shop for all things The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Download the free mobile app today for your Apple or Android device by searching The Game Southwest Louisiana. That way, no matter where you are, you can listen to The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Come back to Crunch Time, 555, wrapping up today's show. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Softball is finally getting played once again here at Lampson Park, Texas State, and Troy. Top of the second inning. 0-0 still between the Bobcats and the Trojans. James, a storyline that I saw that, that I'll touch on quickly 
the Jacksonville Jaguars could be forced out of their home stadium for up to two seasons as TIAA Bank Field undergoes renovations. They're looking at a place to hold the Jags, but the biggest stadium facility in Jacksonville outside of TIAA Bank Field is at the University of North Florida, a stadium that only holds about 12,000 people. Yeah, it's going to be rough. <laughs> Which so, is interesting because TIA, TIAA Bank Field is one of the more newer stadiums. Correct, which is interesting. A um, couple options they're looking at. Tallahassee, you can go play at Florida State Stadium, which holds about 79,000. You could go to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium on the campus of the University of Florida in Gainesville. They host about 88,000. You can go to Camping World Stadium in Orlando. They hold about 60. But then here's the interesting thing. The Jags are going to play in London in back-to-back weeks this yep. year. They're going to stay in London for two weeks. Weeks four and five, if I'm not mistaken. It's interesting because a- you had mentioned the renovations. It was open in 1995. They did renovations from 03 to 04. Correct. Then did it in 2014 and then in 2016. Correct. So, Lord. But, you know, talking about them playing in London in back-to-back weeks, it is being discussed that the Jags would play in London – as a test run for NFL Europe for the two seasons that they are out of TIAA Bank Field. Interesting take. Want to thank our guests today, Jay Walker and Cajuns head coach Jerry Glasgow. Cajuns will play tonight against ULM. Start time undetermined at this point. We'll be back here at Lampson Park tomorrow for crunch time, 4-6, to six, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and 4-6 to six tomorrow right here on the game.